Today we will complete the message, Yeshua's Emissaries, Shalakim, Acts chapter 23 today. So Father, we are truly enriched by your word. It is the most priceless item that you've ever given us here on this earth. Your word does not lead us astray. And you've also sent us the great comforter, the one that affirms that what is God's word and his word is yes and amen and is true. With your word, you spoke all what is created in the universe, including us into being. You've laid all our days before us and you made provision for us. So it's our heart's desire, almighty father, that we will hear your word spoken through both the prophets and the apostles of old, through your son, the greatest prophet ever, and also through your teaching and your preaching of your word. Father, whatever is true, let it remain. What is of man or of woman, let it be laid aside so that we would be fully equipped to do what is pleasing in the Father's sight. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Acts chapter 23, beginning at verse 1. Shaul looked straight ahead at them and said, Brothers, I've been discharging my obligations to God with a perfectly clear conscience right up, up till today. But the Kohen Haggadah, the high priest, Hananiah, ordered those standing near him to strike him on the mouth. Then Shaul said to him, Go, said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. Will you sit there judging me according to the Torah, yet in violation of the Torah order for me to be struck? The men nearby said, this is the Kohen Haggadah, the high priest of God that you're insulting. Shaul said, I didn't know, brothers, that he was the Kohen Haggadah, the high priest. For it says in the Torah, you are not to speak disparagingly of the ruler of your people. But knowing that one part of the Sanhedrin consisted of the Zudakim, the Sadducees, and the other, the Purushim, the Pharisees, Shaul shouted, Brothers, I myself am a parush, a Pharisee, and a son of Purushim, Pharisees, and it is concerning the hope of the resurrection of the dead that I am now being tried. When he said this, an argument arose between the Purushim, the Pharisees, and the Zudakim, the Sadducees, and the crowd now was divided. For the Zudakim, the Sadducees, deny the resurrection and the existence of angels and spirits, whereas the Purushim, the Pharisees, acknowledged both. So there was a great uproar with some of the Torah teachers who were on the side of the Purushim, the Pharisees, standing up and joining in. We don't find anything wrong with this man. And if a spirit or an angel spoke to him, what of it? The dispute became so violent that the commander, fearing that Shaul would be torn apart by them, he ordered the soldiers to go down and take him by force and bring him back into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage. For just as you have borne a faithful witness to me in Jerusalem, Jerusalem, so now you must bear witness in Rome. The next day, some of the Judean leaders formed a conspiracy. They took an oath saying they would neither eat nor drink until they killed 
Shaul. More than 40 were involved in this plot. Then they went to the head koinim, the high priest, and the elders and said, We have bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food or drink until we have killed Shaul, the apostle Paul. What are you to what you are to do is make it appear to the commander that you and the Sanhedrin want to get a more accurate information about Shaul's case so that he will bring him down to you. While we, for our part, are prepared to kill him before he ever gets here. But the son of Shaul's sister got wind of the planned ambush. He went into the barracks and told Shaul, Shaul called for one of the officers and said, take this man up to the commander. He has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the commander and said, the prisoner Shaul called me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took him by the hand and led him aside privately and asked, what is it you have to tell me? He said, the Judeans have agreed to ask you tomorrow to bring Shaul down to the Sanhedrin. And on the pretext that they want to investigate his case more thoroughly. But don't, but don't let yourselves, yourself be talked into it. Because more than 40 men are lying in wait for him. They had taken an oath neither to eat nor drink until they kill him. And they are ready now, only wanting for you to give your consent to their request. The commander let the young man go, cautioning him. Don't tell anyone that you have reported this to me. Then he summoned two of the captains and said, Get 200 infantry soldiers ready to leave for Caesarea at 9 o'clock tonight, and 70 mounted cavalry, and 200 spearmen, and also provide replacements for Shaul's horse when it gets tired and bring him through safely to Felix the governor. And the commander wrote the following letter. From Claudius Lysias to His Excellency, Governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Judean leaders and was about to be killed by them. When I came to on the scene with my troops and rescued him, after learning that he was a Roman citizen, I wanted to understand exactly what they were charging him with, so I brought him down to their Sanhedrin. I found that he was being charged with connection with questions of their Torah, but that there was no charge deserving death or prison. But when I, informed, I was informed of a plot against the man, I immediately sent him to you, and ordered his accusers to state their case against him before you. So the soldiers following their orders took Shaul during the night and brought him to the Antipatris. Then he returned to the barracks after leaving with the cavalry to go on with him. And then the cavalry took him to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor and handed Shaul over to him. 
the governor read the letter and asked what providence he was from. On learning that he was from Cilicia, he, was, he said, I will give you a full hearing after your accusers have also arrived and ordered him to be kept under guard in Herod's headquarters. So now as we go a little bit deeper today, per pertaining to this scripture, The focus now is this new person that's being introduced to us. And he's the governor, and he's, his name is Felix. Or more exactly, he was a procreator of Judea. He was the governor of Sharon, which is now Samaria. And from the time frame of 48 to 52 common era. Notice that that is years before the temple is ransacked by Rome and destroyed. Another individual, while Cumanus ruled Judea, when the latter was removed, being Cumanus, from the office for failing what? To suppress rioting between Jews and Gentiles in the area of Caesarea. Felix repra replaced him. About him, there's a historian, his name is Tacticus, he wrote this about Felix. Without cruelty, with all cruelty and lust, he exercised the power of a king with the spirit of a slave, referring to him as being a freedman. Just as this commander bought his Roman citizenship, where Rav Shaul was born in a providence where he received his Roman citizenship, just as we have received our American citizenship by being born in this country. Those of you who are listening on the podcast, whatever country or island area that you were born in, you have a citizenship of that by being born there. And so this man who was a former slave, his character never changed and will be revealed in this next chapter, chapter 24. We'll see that a man who's been put into provenance, a, a place of leadership, is not necessarily God's man. And things are re revealed about his life. Going forward here, he being Felix was a freedman of Emperor Claudius. So, at this time, who's sitting on the throne in Rome as the emperor is Claudius. His mother, Antonio, she was the one that freed uh, this Felix and allowed him to gain his Roman citizenship. Goes on to say this by Tactius. This historian says this about Felix. He had three wives in succession. As Alan has shared, Elder Alan in the past, marriage during biblical times among the nations, many times you would try to get married up to improve your class and status in your community. And so most likely these marriages that Felix, a former slave, 
who is now a freed man, and he is now the procreator or the governor of Caesarea, he went up the ranks through marriage. He gained greater wealth and greater power and greater authority. You know, those things have not changed from that time till today. People are after what is for them. You know of leaders over different areas, both in cities and towns and nations, that are just about promoting themselves. And they'll do anything to gain more power and wealth and prestige in the eyes of others. So going forward, Felix had three wives in succession, the last one being Drusilla. We'll we'll be focusing on her as we finish uh, today's message. We'll be hearing a little bit about her once we go into chapter 24. So going back here, following the letter, literally a letter having this form. This is speaking about the letter that was sent to Felix. Luke must have had some access to this document itself in order to quote it exactly. See, this was not hidden, what was being done here. Because Rome had to produce, if you were a governor, a procreator, if you were someone in in charge, there was a paper trail upon every decision that you made. And now the great significance is this, that this one commander who had been a former slave had been set free and he purchased his, his own Roman citizenship. And now we're introduced to someone else. His name is Felix. Through the kindness of Anantonia, who is Claudius Caesar's mother, allowed him to come to such a time and place as this. And so going forward here, going back to verse 30. So the soldiers following their orders took Shaul during the night and brought him to Antipatris. And what is Antipatris? It is a city rebuilt by Herod the Great in nine common era, before common era, on the site of the ancient Philistine city of Apech, which is spelled capital A-P-H-E-K. Its ruins lie in the plain of the Sharon Valley, northeast of Joppa. Caesarea, where Felix is now dwelling, was a magnificent port city on the coast of Israel. It's about 23 miles, 37 kilometers, south of Mount Carmel. It was built by Herod the Great over a period of 12 years from the time frame of 12, excuse me, 23 through 13 before the Common Era, before Yeshua came. It became the Roman metropolis of Judea. During his term as procurator of Judea, Pilate occupied the governor's residence in Caesarea. That's found in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. And Acts chapter 10, verse 1 and verse 25. But notice there's someone else. Pilate's no longer there. 
he has been replaced by this man, and his name is Felix. So Claudius Licinius knows that these accusers have nothing against Shaul, worthy of judgment in Roman court. He has already learned that, that and has just now said so. But he wants to extradite himself now from this bad situation, which, is our, which he has already bungled several times here. See, he's, he knows this, that Felix can judge exactly what he's done or said. And so he just wants to wash his hands of the whole situation and turn it now over to Felix. So going forward here, Cilicia was ruled by the propriety of Syria, and Shaul had to be heard before him at this time. So going forward here in the last verse 35, under the guard of Herod's headquarters building, the Praetorium, Shaul is placed in a military custody for his own protection. But this is not a prison cell, since no charges have been brought against him at this time. So now chapter 23 is complete. We're now moving on to chapter 24. After five days, the Kohen Haggadal Hananiah came down with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullus, someone new that we're getting introduced to. And they presented their case against Shaul to the governor. Shaul was called and Tertullus began to make charges and hear his words. Felix, your excellency, it is because of you that we enjoy unbroken peace. And it is for your foresight that has brought to this nation so many reforms in so many areas. It is with utmost gratitude that we receive this. But in order not to take up too much of your time, I beg your indulgence to give us a brief hearing. This guy is using great flattery, which was a common practice, is that you wanted to sway the judge, the governor, to approve of your case. Notice the high priest is not speaking directly to Felix here, but he's using a lawyer someone who is skilled in both the culture and the court system of Rome. Going forward here, verse 5. We have found this man a pest. He is an agitator among all Jews throughout the world and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarene. Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we arrested him. Did they arrest him? Absolutely not. By questioning this man yourself, you will be able to learn about the things of which we are accusing him. The Judean leaders also joined in the accusation and alleged that these were 
the facts. Notice this, this was very uncommon. Because you can imagine sitting in a courtroom in America or any other court, then all of a sudden there's a lawyer that's presenting the prosecution's case. Then all of a sudden the gallery jumps up. Those who are witnesses to the court uh, proceedings and they all start speaking at once. Going forward here. Verse 10. When the governor motioned for Shaul to speak, he replied, I know that you have been judge over this nation for a number of years, so I'm glad to make my defense. Notice that. Rav Shaul does not have a high-powered attorney pleading his defense. He's speaking on his own behalf. Verse 11, as you can verify for yourself, it has not been more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. And neither in the temple nor in synagogues or, or nor anywhere else in the city did they find me either arguing with anyone or collecting a crowd. See, he's, he's now beginning to dismantle their false accusations. Nor can they give any proof of the things which they are accusing me. But this I do admit to. Can you imagine now? Here's Felix, he's sitting upon his throne of judgment and Rashaul standing below him. And he's not only his defense attorney, but also he's the main witness to these proceedings. And he says these words, but this I do admit to. I believe at this point, Felix is really now paying attention. I worship the God of our fathers in accordance with the way. What is the way? This is the same way that Yeshua said when he spoke of himself, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why was Rav Shaul being brought before them at this time? Because of false accusations. But he was a proclaimer of one thing, the resurrection of the Messiah, Yeshua. Let's go forward here. Verse 14 again. But this I do admit to you, I worship the God of our fathers in accordance with the way which they call a sect. A sect like Sadducees, a sect like Pharisees. Going forward here. I continue to believe in everything that accords with the Torah and everything written in the prophets. Do we not do the same today? Absolutely. And I continue to have hope in God, which and everything which they too accept. See, now he's dividing them in the courtroom. Why? Because they're both Pharisees and Sadducees here. Going forward here that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the unrighteous. 
In chapter 21, chapter 22, and chapter 23, we don't hear the mention of the resurrection of the unrighteous. So now Rav Shaul is now preaching to Felix himself. Because this is an opportunity for him to proclaim Yeshua as being raised from the dead, but also that there will be a future resurrection of both the righteous and the unrighteous. In Judaism, it teaches that God shall raise up his holy ones in the latter days, and he will judge all peoples and all nations. So going forward here, and I could, I, if I was in the courtroom, you could see the nodding of the Pharisees' heads in agreement going forward here. Verse 15, And I continue to have hope in God, which they too accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the unrighteous. Indeed, it is because of this I make a point of always having a clear conscience in the sight of both God and man. Does that not speak to us today? How are our conscience before God and man today? Verse 17. After the absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring a charitable gift to my nation and to offer sacrifices. Did you catch that? To his nation. What nation? The nation of Israel, both Messianic Jewish believers and non-Messianic Jewish believers. And to offer sacrifices. It was in connection with the latter that they found me in the temple, offering of the sacrifices. And I have been ceremonially purified I was not with a crowd. I was not causing a disturbance. See, this is part of their accusations against him. But some Jews from the province of Asia, which is present-day Turkey, they ought to be here before you to make a charge if they have have anything against me. Notice, they didn't show up. And Rav Shaul is pointing that out very, very clearly before Felix. Because what was the letter that Licinius had sent to Felix? That all the accusers of this Roman citizen, who happens to be a Jew, Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, would be able to face all his accusers in a court so that Felix could give proper judicial expedience of the findings. So going forward here in verse 19. But some Jews from the providence of Asia, they ought to be here before you to make a charge if they have anything against me. Remember, it started with them at the very beginning. What was their false accusation? That Rav Shaul brought in Gentiles into the inner courts and defiled them. But this was found not as being true. And so the high priest and Tertullus said, hey, you guys stay back at home. 
because they did not have an ironclad case against Rob Shaul with their accusations. So going forward here. Or else let these men themselves say what crime they found me guilty of when I stood in front of the Sanhedrin. Other than this one, which I shouted out when I was standing among them. I'm on trial today because I believe in the resurrection of the dead. Could you not begin to hear in that courtroom now the mumbling going on between the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Verse 22. But Felix, who had rather detailed knowledge of these things, connected with the way, so he's heard of this way. He's probably heard about this Jesus, this Yeshua, that was put to death upon a tree, being called King of the Jews by Pontius Pilate, putting that on sign upon that execution stake. He knew about these things. Why? Because he was a ruler of the people, set by Rome to keep things peaceable as much as possible. Verse 22, but Felix, who had a rather detailed knowledge of the things connected with the way, put them off saying, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will decide your case. See, he wants to get direct words from this commander for him to give testimony. See, the letter is not sufficient. He has further questions. He ordered the captain to keep Shaul in custody, but to let him have a considerable liberty and not prevent any of his friends from taking care of his needs. Notice that. He's not being put into prison. He's not seen as a criminal. He's seen as someone who's been accused. But Felix knows Rome will hear about this. And he will have to give an account how he treated a Roman citizen who happens to be a Jew. So going forward here. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusella, who was Jewish. The upper verse there. How did Felix know? Verse 23. But Felix, who had a rather detailed knowledge of the things connected to the way, how did he gain that insight? But through his Jewish wife, Drizella, who is Jewish. He sent for Shaul to listen to him as he spoke about trusting in Messiah Yeshua. See, what Rav Shaul is all about is not defending himself. He's speaking the truth about the hope of the resurrection. And he is bearing witness to the truth so that Felix and possibly Drusilla and their household, whole household may come to a saving knowledge and faith, putting their trust in Yeshua. Verse 25, but when Shaul began to discuss righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment, Felix became what? Frightened. See, his words were anointed. Isn't it amazing? The scripture in the gospel excuse me, in the book of Acts, the Ruach HaKodesh doesn't give us all those details. I believe later in heaven, 
Rav Shaul will fill in those gaps for us. But he simplifies things. He streamlines things. So as this godly man spoke about righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment, Felix became frightened and said, for, the t- for this time being, go away, and I'll send for you when I get a chance. At the same time, he hoped that Shaul would do what? Would offer him a bribe. Remember, he's a former slave who's now a Roman citizen, but his character has not changed. He's thinking about the bribe. That Rav Shul would bribe him so he could be released to pay him off. So he sent for him rather often and kept talking with him. Notice this. We can infer this, that Rav Shul kept speaking to him about Messiah Yeshua, his death, his resurrection, righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment of of the resurrected righteous ones and unrighteous ones. Verse 27 will end on today. After two years, Felix was succeeded by Procreus, Portius Festus. But Felix wanted to grant the Judeans a favor, and he let Shaul, left Shaul still a prisoner. Father, we thank you for your word, which is righteous and true. And no, even though that we know that we're now we're living in the latter days, no matter what we face as believers, we have nothing to fear. We have our advocate who stands before the Father, who's just and true, Yeshua. We are to walk in his provision and not fear if we're brought before magistrates or governors or judges of the land that we currently live in. We are to exude Yeshua, lift up his name, proclaim both his death and his resurrection, the hope that is in us to walk in righteousness, self-control, because we know one day we will all face the judgment, Almighty God. And we thank you, Father, that though our sins be as scarlet, they have now been made white as snow by the grace and mercy of Yeshua dying upon that execution stake and cleansing us with his precious blood that the accuser of the brethren cannot stand before God in heaven on the day of our judgment and accuse us of anything because it's been covered and washed by the atoning blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world if the world, the people, will allow him to. We give you all praise and glory in Yeshua's name. Amen.